Arabic is my native tongue because I come from the great and mighty land of Persia, 1,000 miles east of Jerusalem. You know about me from that scroll in your book you call Matthew. Much of what you know about me, though, has become tradition is not correct. First of all, let me tell you, we were not kings. Someone assumed we were kings because of the extravagant gifts we brought this child, gold and frankincense and myrrh. But let me assure you, those gifts represented our entire our life's, life's savings. savings. And so someone assumed that we were kings and wrote that wonderful carol you sing, We Three Kings of Orient Are, and by that time, everyone just assumed we were kings and would always be kings, but we were not. We were astrologers. We were pagan stargazers. And we brought gold. Let me show you. Because I'm proud of my gifts. I still have some left. Gold. And frankincense, a small resinous gum made from a rare tree in Arabia. You crush it and burn it and worship a God with it. And myrrh, also a small gum resin made from a shrub in my country. Very aromatic, and you use it to cover the, the odors on a human body. So we brought gold and frankincense and myrrh, but we were not kings. We were astrologers. And we weren't necessarily three of us. Someone assumed there were three of us because of the three gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. I can't remember exactly how many of us there were. And, and tradition has even identified us as Caspar and Melchior and Balthazar. So you may call me Melchior if you so desire. But honestly, it's been so long ago now, I can't remember my name or how many of us there were. And someone had concluded we were wise men. But we were not necessarily wise men either. We were just astute in studying the stars and the heavens. And we in Persia were the most adept at doing that because we had been gazing at the heavens for generations and passing down our learning from one father to son to father to son, on and on. And so we knew that when something mighty, some great portent happened in the heavens, that it must represent something great happening here on earth. And so we were called magi. Magoi in your Greek language. And you get the word magic from it today. And that's what it was. It was just magic. And some of you uneducated today still believe they can foretell the future by looking at the zodiac or by studying the astrological signs and, and putting it in your newspaper. But it's all magic. We in Persia had really developed the art of studying the heavens, and it's from Persia that your concept of time and the clock and the calendar come from. Because we knew that the passing of time and the passing of the day and the passing of the stars would signify the passing of time in a regular progression. And when we saw something great and mighty happening in the heavens, we knew it must be representative of something great happening on earth. Maybe a king was being born or dying or, or something. 
But one night while studying the heavens, we saw the greatest star we had ever seen. And, and honestly, we don't know if it was a star or a conjunction of the planets or some heavenly body exploding. But whatever it was, we knew it was happening to the West. And so we gathered up all of our possessions, all of our worldly goods, because we knew that if what we thought was happening was really happening, we wanted to be there. We wanted to see it. and We wanted to be a part of it. And we, in our procession, we traveled 1,000 miles westward heading to Jerusalem. Because I ask you, if a king is going to be born, would it not be in Jerusalem, the capital city of that great land to the west of us? So it took us several months to travel that thousand miles. And when we got to Jerusalem, we immediately got an audience with the king of Jerusalem there, King Herod, Herod the Great. He considered himself the great because he had established the city of Jerusalem and he had great building programs and and uh, he was so jealous of his kingdom, though, that he killed. And announced, where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and we have come all this way to worship him. We didn't, we realize, didn't realize how, how troubling, troubling and upsetting, and upsetting our, our message, message would be, would be to, to Herod. Herod. Because we didn't say, who, where is he who will be king of the Jews? Or where is he who might be king of the Jews? We said, where is he who is already king of the Jews? We didn't realize that Herod was thinking to himself, I'm the king. I'm the one and only king. We thought it might be one of his sons, but he killed all of his sons <laughs> to protect his throne. Matter of fact, they said it was safer to be one of Herod's pigs than one of his sons. You had a better chance of surviving this life as a pig than you did as his son. He was that bloodthirsty. He was that vicious. But when we announced that a king had been born, he was troubled. And the whole city of Jerusalem was troubled with him. Because when Herod shakes, the whole world shakes. Not knowing what he might do to protect himself and his grip, iron grip on that throne. Well, Herod immediately consulted his, his scribes and Pharisees, his, his wise men, his learned in the law. And without too much time, they were able to reply to him, yes, if there is a king to be born, it will happen in Bethlehem. They knew that from their scroll in their book they call the book of Micah. And in Micah, it says, O oh, you, Bethlehem, you are not least among the rulers, for from you will come a ruler who will govern my people, Israel. And so Herod came back and replied to us that if a king is to be born, it will be in Bethlehem. And, and he also said that that would make sense because Bethlehem was known as the city of David. Bethlehem was David's town, and we all knew that if a Messiah, a king was to be born, it would have to be a descendant of the line of David. And so it made sense that it would happen in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, the name in your language meaning house Bethlehem of bread. House of bread. And one would be born there who would be the bread of life for all mankind. And he said, if you go and find him, please come back and tell me so that I might come and worship him too. And we took that in good faith. 
Why would Herod not want to come and worship one who has been born king of the Jews? And so we gathered up our procession and we headed about 10 miles south by southwest to Bethlehem. And we were so excited when we saw the star reappear. Bethlehem is a small town, but there are many places there for a child to be living. And so the star appeared and it guided us right to the house where this young child was. Now, remember, by this time, it had taken us several months to travel from Persia to Bethlehem. He was no longer a baby in a manger when we arrived. I know many of your nativity stories have the shepherds and the wise men standing all around the manger, but it took us several more months. We were not in the same country as the shepherds were. We had to travel a thousand miles, and so it took a great deal longer for us to arrive. And by the time we arrived, if you'll look in your scroll, you'll notice it says they were in a house with Mary and the child. No longer a baby, no longer in a manger. He was several months old. And we tell you, when we saw the light of that star shining upon this little child, we threw down everything and we knelt before him and we bowed. And I know it's strange to to realize that pagan stargazers from Persia were worshiping this Jewish king. We were surprised that no one from Herod's court came and accompanied us. How ironic. That the first ones to come after the shepherds to worship this baby were astrologers from Persia, Arabs. And there were no Jews there at all. We threw ourselves down and we presented our gold and frankincense and myrrh and we worshipped him gold because he was a king. Frankincense, which you use in worship of a god. Myrrh, because he was a man. A king who was god And man. And we worshiped and we stayed there for quite some time because we had come such a long way. And we had such a long trip back. But we knew it would be worth it to be in the presence of this child. That this star, this portent from heaven, clearly indicated would be a king and a lord. Well, that evening as we slept, we had a dream. We were going to return to Jerusalem and report to Herod all that we had seen and heard. Because Herod said he wanted to come and worship this king too. But the dream told us that was not the case. That Herod did not want to worship this child. And in fact, he wanted him dead as every other pretender to the throne that he, he perceived as a danger and a threat to his grip on that kingdom. You see, Herod was not a Jew. Herod was an Idumean. He had been appointed king of Jerusalem by the Romans, and the Jews never liked him. They never trusted him. They always resented him. And if one had been born among them who was a Jew, who would be king, then naturally they would gravitate toward him, and Herod could not allow that. And so he was going to have this child... Kill, But we were warned in a dream not to return to Jerusalem, not to return to Herod, because if we even went nearby that city, our entourage would have created such excitement, such clamor that Herod would have heard and he would have demanded from us upon fear of death the knowledge we had gained by going to Bethlehem and finding this child. 
And so we went home another route. We went south to Hebron and then up along the coast to Gaza and then up north by northeast, heading back home that thousand mile trek to Persia. I think it's a good thing that we presented gold and frankincense and myrrh to Mary and Joseph and the child now in the house. Joseph was plying his carpenter's trade by this time there in Bethlehem. But shortly thereafter, I understand they made a trip to Egypt in order to protect the life of this child from King Herod. And Joseph was able to use these valuable resources to sustain him and his precious family. That time he was there until they heard that King Herod had died. Herod, he was so vicious. He was more interested in saving his throne than he was in saving his soul. We were just so surprised that no Jews were there to worship this baby. And that we Persian stargazers from the east were the only ones there. Several months after the shepherds had departed back to the hillside. I know this is a lot to take in today. But as a magi, I wanted to come and tell you and set the record straight. We were not kings. We were not wise. There weren't even three of us. But I tell you what we were that you can know for sure. We were a distant people. We were the first of the Gentiles. We were the first of the non-Jews to pay homage to this King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And it showed me that in so doing that, that, that this, this child who had been born, whom the father had named Jesus, would, would start out the king of the Jews, but he would not be only the king of the Jews, but he would be king of us all. He would be Lord of all one day. And our coming to him to worship him, even as we traveled to worship him, would signify that he was the king and Lord for all the world, for all people. And there's another thing I want you to see about this trip that we took. If you'll notice at the end of that passage in your scroll of Matthew, it says, And being warned in a dream not to depart by way of Herod, they went home another way. Now you can take that to mean that we did use a different route to go home to circumvent that evil king. But you can also take that in a symbolic way. That having come and worshipped this this child, we went home different from the way we came. We went home changed. Never again to be the same. And I will promise you, if you will come and worship this child this Christmas... You will go home changed, men and women and boys and girls. Never again can you be the same when you've been in the presence of Jesus, the Messiah. He is worth everything. He is worth any distance. He is worth any time. He is worth any resources. And if you will worship him as you celebrate birth of that precious son of God this season you will go home a changed person you will go home differently 
from the way in which you arrived. Because no one can bow in his presence and remain unchanged. So I invite you all to do as we pagan astrologers did from Persia. To leave all behind and worship the newborn child, son of God. Let me lead you in prayer now. Father, as we come to worship Jesus, we hold so much back from Him. We let a little distance and a little rain and a few resources interfere with our total, with our total devotion and love. And yet people who weren't even Jews traveled a thousand miles each way because they knew something world-changing was happening and they wanted to be a part of it. And His presence is still here, O Lord. And yet we are reluctant to lay down our lives and offer them to Him. And so this day as we worship, we thank you for sending Jesus, not a son of Herod, born in a palace, not a, a son of wealth and prestige, put to the humblest of families and the lowest of births. You stoop down to dwell among us, to be in our midst. <coughs> to live like us, to experience all that we experience so that when we live this life, we can never say, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what I'm feeling. You don't know how I'm hurting because you were here and you suffered and you were tempted yet sinless and you died a cruel death on a cross that we might have forgiveness of sins and the opportunity to be forgiven and have a relationship with you that lasts forever. So when you were born King of the Jews, we praise you, God, for including all of us, races, nationalities, peoples, tongues, from all over the earth for all time. And we are here today to worship you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.